That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2, where we take on the top issues of the week. On the right, John Hancock. Guess who's out of town? Yeah, guess who's out of town and guess who's in town? On the left, it's Megan Shackelford in for Michael Kelly. I'm Andy Banker. On the agenda this morning, as St. Louis marks one year since a high school mass shooting, mass shootings in Maine rock America again. When will elected leaders do something to stop these massacres of the innocent? There's a new push in St. Louis to take in migrants, potentially by the thousands who have recently crossed the southern U.S. border. After three weeks of flailing and failure, Republicans finally pick a new Speaker of the House. And our quote of the week, gagging Donald Trump. A judge hits the former president with fines. Does that actually work in Mr. Trump's favor? Also this morning, St. Louis spends big money to secure a beloved downtown building, but then has to unsecure it the next day. Plus the fight over ballot language as Missouri voters considered legalizing abortion and military action expands around Israel including U.S. airstrikes against Iranian targets. But we begin with those mass shootings at a bowling alley and a bar in Maine. Here's a survivor who slid down a bowling lane and climbed into a pin-setting machine to escape the gunfire. Well, we were inside and just no one might have bowling and out of nowhere, he just came in and there was a loud pop. That was a balloon, I had my back turned to the door. Um, and as soon as I turned and saw it was not a balloon, he was holding a weapon. I just booked it um, down the lane and I slid basically into where the pins are and climbed up in the machine and was on top of the machines for about 10 minutes until the cops got there. At least 18 were killed and 13 injured. The manhunt for the suspected gunman went on for a couple of days. He was found dead. This came one day after students marked the first anniversary of the shootings at Central Visual and Performing Arts and Collegiate School of Medicine and Bioscience high schools in St. Louis. A CVPA graduate with a history of mental issues stormed the school and opened fire, killing a 15-year-old student, it was Alexandria Bell, and 61-year-old teacher Jean Kushka, while injuring several others. Police shot and killed that gunman. The suspect in Maine is a military firearms instructor with a history of mental issues. As with the St. Louis shooter, he used a high-capacity rapid-fire rifle. John, it's been almost 25 years since Columbine. Shouldn't Republicans and Democrats alike take some sort of action to deal with the prevalence of weaponry and mental health issues? Yeah, and uh, there is common ground on this issue, not a lot of it, uh, but I do think there's universal agreement that uh, there are some people, uh, because of their mental health situation, that should not have access to firearms, not just, not just AR-15s, any firearms. Uh, this guy in Maine, clearly, uh, the flags were up. His family knew it. His uh, other people knew it. He got kicked out of the, the military. Same with the young man in St. Louis. In St. Louis. And, uh, yeah, his mother had, bl had blown the whistle on him, and, and nothing's being done. So you've got to address that problem on the front end. I think all of us can agree with that. 
uh, when you get into banning certain styles of guns, I just don't think you're going to find any kind of common ground there to work with. But there are things that we agree on, and we ought to be pursuing those things. Should we at least start there? Yeah, I, mean, I know your right. side probably favors banning certain weapons, but is there a little common ground? Where should Democrats give and Republicans give to at least do something? Well, I think John's right. Unfortunately, I do think these weapons need to be banned, but it doesn't appear that's going to be happening in this political environment anytime soon. But the mental health issues we all do seem to agree on, strengthening red flag laws, strengthening the ability of law enforcement to hold people who are clearly a threat and danger to society in mental health facilities. This main shooter, you know, left just after two weeks because they couldn't keep him any longer. You know, that's clearly a problem. People knew he was a threat. Those things need to be addressed. And I think we really have to set aside a lot of the other nonsense and the noise, the non-issues that we're focused on in this country and pull together all of our energy and resources and focus on the things that we do agree on because those things are there. You know, there's another area where we might be able to find some common ground, and that is let's listen to law enforcement about what they think about the gun situation. For example, in the state of Missouri, you no longer need to have a permit to carry a concealed weapon. Uh, police would argue, I think, that that hinders their ability to confiscate illegal weapons because nobody has the license. If you required the license to carry a concealed weapon and a criminal's out there with a firearm, uh, the, the police could seize it at that point. So there, there might be some areas like that why, where law enforcement can bring us together on some, on some gun uh, measures. And that's absolutely true, not just with mass shootings, but what we see in the city of St. Louis and other cities all over the country, the problem with the proliferation of guns. Law enforcement has begged the state of Missouri to roll back some of the laws that they've put in place that make it too easy for criminals to have these guns. And we do all agree that these professionals know best, and we should stop bickering and start listening to the professionals of how we can better get a grip on this. Another key issue that's becoming an issue across the country is also now a St. Louis issue. St. Louis's International Institute is seeking to resettle migrants who are being sent to Chicago from the southern border with Mexico. Chicago is scrambling to find work and shelter for thousands of migrants there. The nonprofit International Institute is partnering with unions and charities here to resettle hundreds, if not thousands, in St. Louis with a goal of boosting our workforce and shoring up our sagging population. Is this idea good for St. Louis, Megan? I think it's wonderful. It really um, brings a lot of solutions both to the migrant community and to St. Louis, where, as you mentioned, we have a population problem. We could use more people, more families settling in the city of St. Louis. I live in the neighborhood close to the International Institute. They do incredible work. If you go around uh, South St. Louis, you can clearly see all the great things that immigrants bring to our community, and let's do more. John? What does it tell you when the illegal immigrants don't want to come to St. Louis? <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a situation where they're shipped up to Chicago and all over, and, and so we're, we're, we're here too, you know. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, if We do need more people in the city of St. Louis. You look at the contribution that the Bosnian No worries made. about who these people really well, are. Sure, sure. Uh, that's always the case. But, I mean, we settled a lot of, uh, of Syrian refugees several years ago, and that's not proven itself to have been a problem uh, from a national security standpoint. I think if the careful screening uh, takes place, uh, net net this is a benefit, but I do think it's interesting they choose not to come here first. The International Institute does have a strong history mm -hmm. of handling this and handling it well. They do. Handling it really well and to great benefit to our community. I think it's lovely. Well, there's hope St. Louis will do a better job in resettling migrants than in securing the beloved former famous bar building downtown. See those metal plates? They were installed 
to finally keep vagrants from living in the building and looting scrap metal. But after they went up along the entire east side of the building, they were removed the next day. This is what it looks like now. Authorities were first worried they, or uh, firefighters were worried they couldn't get past the plates in the event of another emergency there. But no one consulted police or fire before putting the plates up. The city's public safety director only says that efforts to secure the building are back to square one, and no one will say who's paying for putting them up and taking them back down. John Hancock, simple mistake? Well, I, sure. Uh, you know, simple mistake number 6,403 by this administration. Uh, this is a, a glowing, decrepit example of how dysfunctional city government is. They can't even talk to the police and fire department before putting steel plates on a building. That costs money. Putting them on, taking them off. That costs money. And yet we can't feel the 9-11 operator. We, we can't put more than two cops on the street per each police precinct overnight. I mean, this is, uh, this is part and parcel of why St. Louis government is fundamentally broken. And no one can tell us from St. Louis city government whose mistake this was. Was well, it the Department of Public Safety? Did the contractor who was hired to put up the plates do so without first talking to the first responders like they were supposed to? When you read there's just no answer when there's a misstep. Yeah, when you read between the lines, the contractor clearly failed, right? They, this was contracted out work. They went, they did their job. They didn't go through the steps. Somebody at City Hall is going to be in trouble, right? Somebody who should have overseen this contract did not do their job, point blank. I think the bigger question about all of these issues are, what are we doing to hold these property owners accountable? The city does not own this building. Somebody, an out-of-town owner, owns this building. They're not caring about their investment. They don't care about the negative impact that letting this building sit has on the city of St. Louis. I think what the city really should be focusing on is what can we do to bolster laws to hold these people accountable? Because it's not just this huge historic building that this is a problem. We have it with landlords who live out of state who don't care about their property. We have it everywhere in the city. We need to bolster that so that we can hold these people accountable. If you want to own property here, you need to take care of it. Well, that building takes up an entire city oh, yeah. block, and it is like a dividing line between progress and not progress mm -hmm. in downtown. Well, and it used to be the famous bar headquarters, yeah. and, you know, I spent many an hour in that building over the years. We'll care about uh, that. Uh, indeed. Missouri's Republican Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is upping the ante in his effort to keep abortion legal, illegal in Missouri, I should say. Ashcroft is appealing a judge's rewrite of proposed ballot language on a measure that would let voters decide whether to allow legal abortions in Missouri. As Secretary of State, Ashcroft approved the following language, asking voters if they support dangerous, unregulated, and unrestricted abortions that could be performed without a medical license. Cole County Judge John Beatham ruled that language was biased. He rewrote it. A hearing before a state appeals court is set for tomorrow. John, is there any doubt that Ashcroft's language is biased and that it's meant to get people to vote no against abortion rights in Missouri? Well, Judge Beatum's pretty conservative. and uh, Is he right to step so, in? Yeah, I mean, that language is, you know, pushing the envelope, shall we say. Uh, I don't expect Jay Ashcroft's going to prevail in the suit, but the politics of it for Jay Ashcroft are probably pretty good. He's standing up for the side of, of life. Uh, he's running for governor. He's running for governor, and I think the, so. The political calculation here does make some sense.
Is it a judge's job or the Secretary of State's job to handle abortion ballot or ballot language, well, abortion it, or any other issue? It is his job, the Secretary of State, to handle this ballot language. John and I know very well any time uh, you're considering putting something on the ballot, the way that ballot summary is written is absolutely critical to how you communicate about your issue and how voters you know, really are going to take in your information when they get to the ballot box. So it's very important, and I wish he took his job more seriously. I'm not surprised that he does not. It's obviously a political stunt for his race for governor. Um, and, you know, I wish that it would be embarrassing for him when it fails, but he's probably just going to wear it like a badge of honor. There's going to be a lot of money spent on this campaign, and voters are going to know what they're voting for. Up next, the tentacles of the Israel-Hamas war. President Biden orders airstrikes against Iranian targets, and we've got a new Speaker of the House after weeks of dysfunction. Listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Three weeks after Republicans ousted their own Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, they finally elect a new one after repeatedly failing to do so. He is Louisiana Republican Congressman Mike Johnson. You're going to see an aggressive schedule in the days and weeks ahead. You're going to see Congress working as hard as it's ever worked. Johnson was elected on the first try after his nomination. He is known as an election denier, one of those Republicans who claimed Democrats stole the 2020 presidential election from then-President Donald Trump. Your thoughts on this pick, Megan, and whether Republicans will pay a price for all the shenanigans leading up to this and maybe lose control of the House in 2024? It's, it's possible. I mean, he's the fifth choice, so it doesn't inspire quite a lot of confidence, I think, from his own party. And I think the American people can see the chaos and maybe kind of brush it off as an unserious situation continuing to happen with House Republicans. They seem more interested with infighting themselves than actually accomplishing anything. And he is very conservative, very, very conservative, which I think on social issues in particular is just not in line where the American people are right now. And I do think that they could pay for that next year. Um, you know, people care about a lot of conservative issues, but when it comes to gay marriage, which Mike Johnson's very outspoken on, I think the American public has moved past that. And if he can get the focus back to those kinds of issues, that's not great for Republicans. The fifth choice. You know, I just dawned on me. We are about a year away from the election. Oh, yeah. Will any of this matter, you know, the no, last three weeks? I don't think this particular episode is going to matter. It's like picking a neighborhood trustee, Andy. Nobody wants a job. <laughs> and you go, you go to this guy, come on, it's just a couple of years, you can do it. No, no thanks, I'm not going to. That's what this has become. Now, Mike Johnson, very conservative. He's got three weeks to figure out how to thread the needle and keep the government open. He's not going to be able to pass the appropriations bills in three weeks, which means he's going to have to do a continuing resolution, which means it's going to have to have bipartisan support, which means he's going to do exactly what Kevin McCarthy did a month ago. Uh, the question is, will the caucus allow him the honeymoon period to do that? If he can do that and run the government, he could have a successful tenure. He's tied to Trump, no doubt, right? There's no doubt. The United States carried out airstrikes on Iranian-backed militias in Syria in response to a series of drone and rocket attacks against U.S. forces in the region. This comes amid Israel's overwhelming military response in Gaza to the October 7th Hamas terror attacks. Israel is now embarking upon a ground invasion of the Hamas-controlled territory. The Palestinian death toll there is reported to be more than 7,000, probably climbing with the uh, latest incursion into the area by Israel. More than 1,400 were killed initially in Israel, including more than 30 Americans. Hamas is still holding more than 200 hostages, including Americans. John Democrat progressives in the United States, like Cori Bush of St. Louis, continue 
to accuse Israel of genocide and war crimes. What should the United States' role be in all of this right now? Well, Cory Bush is non-serious, so set those comments aside. Uh, look, Israel's our closest ally in the Middle East, one of our closest allies in the world. Uh, I think we are right to be there. The bombings that took place uh, on the eastern side of Syria by the U.S. against some of these uh, installations that are satellites of Iran. The U.S. bases had 19 attacks leading up to that. We dropped some bombs. I worry that this could escalate the conflict beyond Gaza. That ultimately is the big concern here, and I think there's a lot more to learn before we see how this is going to end. How do you see it? I think that John's absolutely right. The escalation is deeply concerning. I, I would hope our, our um, role as Americans is to support our allies and also support uh, protecting innocent lives everywhere, de-escalating conflict before this it completely spins even more out of control than it already is. There's no good outcome here unless we can get things tampered down. Still to come, why our quote of the week led to a $10,000 fine for Donald Trump. Also, another guilty plea from another former Trump ally, and this one comes with tears. Another guilty plea from a former Donald Trump ally in Georgia, this one from a teary-eyed former Trump attorney. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. I look back on this whole experience with deep remorse. Also, ABC News reports that Mark Meadows, the chief of staff for former President Trump, has been granted immunity in the federal election interference case against Mr. Trump tied to the January 6th riots at the U.S. Capitol. John, does all of this pile up and start to make a difference or start to tilt things away from Mr. Trump and his run for the White House again at 24. Well, it's changed the definition of MAGA, you know, make America great again. Now it stands for make attorneys get attorneys because they're all getting attorneys. <laughs> and uh, no, none of this is good for Donald Trump legally. And now I think the politics of it have been helping him. And so you see his ascendancy in the, in the GOP primary, but you've got four criminal or three criminal and one civil case, 91 federal felony indictments. Uh, I mean, how could it not be a problem and people flipping? Donald Trump just brushes it all off like no big deal. As he is always it does. It, it is a big deal. I do think um, for that block of voters that Donald Trump will obviously need who are not just committed MAGA voters who are a more common sense independent, when they look at this and they read what these lawyers have said about their experience, when they see the amount of people who have turned and are, are going to cooperate with the government, they're going to use common sense and, and vote for someone else. Our quote of the week is from the former president. This one apparently cost him $10,000 in his ongoing civil trial in New York. New York's Democrat attorney general accused Mr. Trump and top executives of his company of falsifying business records for financial gain. The judge has issued a gag order limiting what participants can say publicly about the judge's staff during the trial. Mr. Trump said the following outside of the courtroom. We had the quote up, if we can go back to it. This judge is a very partisan judge with a person who is very partisan, sitting alongside him, perhaps it's more partisan than the judges. The judge, again, fined Donald Trump, thinking he was referring to a member of his staff. He says he was talking about former Trump ally Michael Cohen. At least Donald Trump says Well, that. and if there was another Truth Social post just last night that may trigger a third uh, fine uh, early this week, so we'll see. He can't help himself.
Right, but is it right for, does it work in his favor to have this judge who seems to be Politics left leaning, sure. I think it, finding a former president and telling him to shut up when he's on trial? I mean, shouldn't he be able to speak and speak in public? I, I don't understand gag orders. Shouldn't he be held to the same standards anybody else is going to be held to whenever they're going through this process? I mean, these aren't rules just for Donald Trump. These are rules for everybody. I mean, typically it's your lawyer that tells you to shut up, not the judge. Right. You know, your own lawyer is telling you this is not help, helping matters. Should a judge be able to gag up? Well, he's president. able to. Final thoughts are next. First, fall colors taking over the St. Louis area. Check this out from Bomberito.com Drone Fox over the Katy Trail in St. Charles County. Final thoughts, Megan? I have to say happy birthday to my daughter, Barrett, who turns four today. Happy fourth birthday, Barrett. She'll be a whole hand next year. <laughs> That's right. Good luck to the St. Louis City SC and their sporting director, Lutz Fannensteel, today as they go against Sporting KC, Andy. We are a soccer town. Yeah, we are. Missouri's number one soccer town, right? The heck with Kansas City. Hey, if it's Sunday in St. Louis, it's Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2. We'll see you next week. Thanks again, Meg. Thanks.